Welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts, Tiffer and Kim. Today we're going to be talking about interesting to us psychology experiments. Yeah, this one, this is a fun topic for me. Like, this stuff kind of fascinates me in general. Like, it really is kind of fun just to learn about this stuff and how true some of it is. I don't know, but it's fascinating anyway. And like the first one I think of, and I think most people know this one, is like the Milgram mm-hmm. experiment. And what that one was, so it started as somebody was like, not necessarily watching, but hearing about like the Nazi trials after World War Two, and yeah. the people were saying, hey, I was just doing my job. And the, you know, the psychologist, this Milgram person was like, I wonder if that's true. You know, like, I wonder if people would do terrible things to other people just because, say, you know, it's their job Mm -hmm. or because they were told to. Or even just allowing that kind of stuff to happen. Not necessarily being the one to do it, but also allowing somebody to do it. Yeah, but but in this one, he is essentially making the the test subject do it. That's true, because they have the shock. Because they're the ones who have to do it. And Mm -hmm. what I really like about Milgram's experiment is that he's done so many variations so that you can start seeing in this circumstance and in this circumstance. And So the the base of the uh, study, the experiment, is that he brings in a subject and he tells them that they're doing a study on using, like, punishment as a learning tool. So he has, they call them confederates when they bring in, you know, they have another Someone person. on the team of the, who, yeah, the, the doer is, of the experiment. This is an actor that they bring in. So they have essentially the person who's running the study, which isn't Milgram, it's just another person. And that person is the one running the study. And he says he's got two subjects. One of you is going to be a learner and one of you is going to be the teacher. And it's supposed to be, you know, random, but... You know, it's the confederate always plays the learner, and the subject of the experiment always plays the teacher. So they don't know when they go in. They think it's random so that they can't tell this is a setup. Mm-hmm. So then what they do is they hook the student up to a machine that gives shocks. And, they, and, and it does give a little shock, and they even test it out on the teacher first and give them like a small little shock at 45 volts so that they know that it gives a shock and 45 is down low and then they have a dial on the machine that they're supposed to ramp up and it has the different you know 45 volts like I think the first one it starts at like uh, 15 and then goes up and so it's uh, they're also labeled so the 15 volt is like slight shock and then you have moderate shock and then strong very strong intense extreme intensity danger, severe shock, and the last one is just labeled XXX. And the study is to go and tell either the the teacher, the subject, says, I don't want to do this, and they have to do that four times. So when they say, I don't want to do this, the person running the study says, no, you, you, you have to, and then increases that more forcefully, and if you... You know, say no four times, they end it, or until you go all the way to the extreme and you shock them three times on the most extreme level. That's 
those are the two ending points of the study. So I watched the documentary on this. and But now that you say there are several varieties, I watched one where they were in a room and they couldn't see them. They could only hear them. So that's one Is of them. Is the one you're referring to No, right the here? one I'm referring to, they can see them, and they're uh, sitting there. And, and I think there's like a plexiglass thing because mm-hmm. they, again, they tried a bunch of variations. Yeah. And so in the one that, I think the initial one, they have a guy wearing a white lab coat who is the technician, and he sits in the room with the teacher. Across in, a, I think, a different room, but with the plexiglass thing, is the, the student. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, I think you can see them, and maybe it's not there plexiglass, is, but in maybe in it the isn't. one I watched, there is a window, but the window is like closed. Closed, like they have blinds down or something. I wonder if that's the case, because all I saw was a diagram. Ah, uh, it, is it shows a diagram that, and the person's in the different room. But there's another study, part of the study uh, that they did, involved having the teacher have to take the student's hand and put it physically Ew. on the thing <laughs> to, to get them shocked because they want to see like at what level do you, do you start no? changing like mm-hmm. when when does your behavior change because you'd like to think that you're the type of person who's like oh i would stop oh they asked when they when he was telling other um psychologists about the study other people you know he's saying hey i did the study we have this thing, you know, once you get up to 75 volts, the actor starts making noises, like pain noises. And at, you know, 150, they start making serious noises and actually say, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. So they, at 150, all the people that when he was telling about this, they said, well, everybody's going to stop at 150. Like, nobody will keep going because... Obviously, the person's in you know discomfort. They're saying they don't want to go on. Uh, they get loud to the point of like they're screaming up at 285. They start talking about I'm having heart problems. Yeah. And even in some of them, they had them essentially just stop responding, like essentially playing mm-hmm. dead. So they they move the dial up until you know. The, the actor essentially fakes like they're dead and then see what the response is. And it was just so odd to find 66% of people when the teacher is sitting there, or, or not the teacher, when the uh, lab assistant has you know his authoritative white coat on and just tells them, just keep going, they 66% of the people just keep going. But you know what's fascinating when you watch it, because they're showing you the people who are doing it. There are many people who look up and are like, are you are you sure? Are you sure? Kind of a look that they're like, like very, very few people are like, yep, 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 yep. You know, and like hitting, hitting the button and are happy about it. A lot of people are hesitating, but they do indeed. Some of them start chanting to themselves and they do it's kind of a coping mechanism to say, well, you have, you know, I have to do it. The study says I have to do it. And mm-hmm. they would, you know, yeah, just got to go on. You have to. Because you're of- waiting for somebody else to be like, this This is terrible, right? Because yeah. there's the other guy and he's so confident that this isn't terrible because he's a confederate, you know, and he's he's on the side of the study. And 
And they look to him to be like, hey, like, and my guess is if this guy doing the study would have been like any kind of hesitant too, it would have given more courage to these people to stop. But because he was so sure of himself and he had the authority. Yeah. They and they they did that variation. Mm -hmm. So they did a variation where instead of having the guy, you know, who's running the study tell them, they just they didn't. They said, you decide, you know, you decide when to go. And that one was really interesting because in that variation, most people uh, stopped early. They, they averaged 83 volts before they stopped. Interesting. I like but that they have that comparison. Two and a half percent oh, no. went all the way to the end. <laughs> Those are without the any prodding, yes. <laughs> Those are the ones that are like bam, bam, bam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones that they like. They don't even they're care. Like chuckling. They, they're like, oh. and there's like a little baby girl attached to the end, and they're just not even. They they quit asking questions, you know, because the the format is to ask a question, and then if they get the response wrong, you're supposed to zap them. Is this true, or you're teasing this part? No, that's the, the they thing. They just were zapping them without questions? No. Oh, that, you were teasing that I, part. Yeah, I am teasing that part. <laughs> but the study itself, I'm not, that's the study. Is, yeah, because they're trying to, they don't no. tell these people what it's for because mm-hmm. you can't. If you do, you ruin it. Yeah. So they don't say, you know, hey, we're trying to find out if you guys are Nazis. <laughs> 2.5% of the... <laughs> And Which those actually, are the ones, those are the heads of the Nazis, you know, the other, the 66% of people that would do it if somebody in a lab coat is like, yeah. If one just, of those 2.5% doesn't give them that look back, that's like, you're right, this is questionable. And yeah. and those numbers, and I don't know these numbers exactly because I didn't search it before I came, but those numbers are fairly aligning with the number of people they think are socio-psychopath in the population. Yeah. So that's kind of fascinating to think that that might be why. Yeah, so in their various experiments, they found that uh, the closer in proximity the authority figure is to you, Uh the more likely you are to do it. Uh, Oh, I believe that. If if they're just dressed like a normal person, you know, they don't have that authoritative look, people are less likely. Like if if it's just some guy in jeans and T-shirt saying, yeah, shock the guy, people are more likely to... I'm yeah. not going to do that. You don't have a coat on. You don't have a white coat on. Why would I listen to you? And then the other thing that they were saying, so I think this one was done at Yale. And they they said, it, like, if it's not Yale, it goes down. Because people are like, this is Yale. You know, like, why would yeah. Yale be doing something shady? Right, because so, they have authority. Because they yeah. they've built up their reputation it's Yale mm-hmm. you know everybody knows Yale and here's this person who I assume is smarter than me telling me what to do yeah so they said if it's not a respected you know organization the numbers go down good and there, <laughs> it, there is a lot of stuff and, and the weird thing too with this one is that like after the experiment they explained hey this is what was going on and a lot of the people who were part of the experiment had like serious trauma guilt lots of heavy guilt after because they you know like everybody wants to believe they're a good person and then to find out they'd be like you know the kind of oh you would have been a you know you'd have been a nazi you would have been complicit you know you would have you would have gassed you know people because you sort of think that you're gonna be the one fighting against that you're like am i willing to become 
somebody who actually makes a Molotov cocktail and fights against people who are who are bigger than me. Yeah. And to find out that you weren't is probably pretty devastating. But I bet lesson learned. So, you know, lesson hopefully, learned. Hopefully, but... this is the way to learn the lesson instead of the way other people learn the lesson in Germany. Yeah, just an odd point that this has nothing to do with the study, but that Milgram guy who did the study, he also came up with the the concept of like the six degrees of separation. That Oh, really? Yeah, like that was his idea. <laughs> and I just thought, well, that's kind of an odd combination of things to look into. But Interesting. Yeah, so that was the first one that I had looked into. And I really, like, it, it blows my mind sometimes looking at these yes. studies. Well, some of them are, I mean, I, I find that there's a ton of good information to be had from that study. And stuff that, especially at the time, was very relevant. People were really wondering how that kind of historical yeah. thing could happen. Because you like to think that human nature would kind of pull you away from that kind of behavior, where you would you know, you would try to be kind and yeah. And so there's a lot of given information to be had, but see, here's the study that I want them to do now is I want them to take a bunch of kids, teach them about the Milgram experiment and then have them do the Milgram experiment (laughs) and see how many people are like, I know what you're doing here. I'm not doing this. You know, if you can teach people that this is what happens and this is the way does that, I mean, it should, but it should. But don't forget that wasn't the point. Oh, the point for sure. was supposed to see if you could teach through pain. And so of course that's the end game that they're going for. They're like, Oh gal, you know, I wonder if they're gonna teach through pain instead of I wanna see if you're <laughs> yeah. a terrible person underneath on accident. I wanna see if Not you would a maybe kill person. somebody just because I said <laughs> to. <laughs> oh no. Because that's really what it came down to. Some of these people yes. They thought were potentially dying. Oh, yeah. And when you watch the documentary and you see some of their faces in, I don't know if it's the exact one, but I, I think it is. I it think it was is. the Milgram experiment. And and they're just like their look on their faces of genuine concern, just like, <gasps> like, like, this is a bad idea. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And they talk about these sort of things like, they say with most of the studies that I've looked into, like, yeah, they can't do these studies anymore. Uh-huh. Know, like, it's too unethical to do. You know, I have so much to say about that, too. <laughs> 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 because I am a hard-hearted person now, and part of me is like, wow. Like, it, it's, and I, I will go into more detail about that when it's my turn. You're like, go ahead, just. <laughs> Go ahead. Just hook them up. In fact, let's really shock them. Right. Let's make this. Let's for see real. what really happens here. Yeah, They're like, I like, did not know Kim that you fit in the two point five percent. You know, like if you can't act, and everybody, he's faking it. That's right. People will know. People will know. You got to get the real thing. <laughs> in a way, I do feel. A, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but I definitely am more hard hearted than I used to be. Um. But do you want to do the next one or do you want me to? Well, let's go ahead and do, let's talk about one of yours that okay. you looked into. I will discuss mine, which will also then bleed over into another area of why I am all about being unethical. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry Harlow 
was a psychologist and he did a lot of studies on rhesus monkeys. And so when I speak about the unethicalness, I do restrict it to monkeys. And so... Um, so you're not saying it's okay to, you know, shock humans, but you're like, yeah, shock monkeys. But like, monkeys. And I'll explain why, because I feel like it's important to, to explain. So he did this study, and he did a couple of studies. And one of them was on um, the the reaction of infant monkeys that are taken away from their mother, right? And in a sense, both parents, the dad's not usually there. They're usually with the mother. So in a sense, orphaning this this little monkey. So um, in one of his most popular or well-known, popular in a bad way to infamous, <laughs> infamous experiments, is, is he has these little babies and he has two... Um, I want to say Muppets or, or puppets or, or fake moms, fake, yeah, fake moms, fake one's, one's made out of wires and has a little, a little fake monkey head that's made out of like metal <laughs> buttons. And then it, and, but it's just made out of wire. It's just hard and, and, and wood. And then another one that's also probably made out of wire, but it's covered in like soft, cozy fabric. Well, the cozy one doesn't have any food, but the one that's wire has two bottles attached to it so the baby can go get food if it wants. And what they found is that the cloth-covered mother is where the babies would stay. And when they're hungry, they'd go to the wire mother and they'd go back to the cloth mother. And in a sense, you're learning about um, comfort and a baby's need for comfort. But there was another study that he did. So this is kind of more about Harry Harlow than it is about one particular study where he would put infants in isolation chambers. Are these monkeys? Or... Absolutely monkeys. If okay. you put a baby human in an isolation chamber, it will die because, well, well for actually many, I many say, reasons. What's the difference between the monkeys? <laughs> like, are the monkeys dying? Um. I will explain what happened. Okay. <laughs> so, in the isolation chamber, and I think it's in some, like, movie. Some movie, they, they like, have these, was it Patch Adams? I, I don't remember. And somebody gave somebody a watch because he was in an isolation chamber. Anyway, so they have, like, these monkeys. And I'll show you the picture of this monkey with the cloth-covered mom. Yeah. But... And, and those poor monkeys' faces, they are so sad. It is heartbreaking. <laughs> but they also did another one where they put them in the isolation chamber for 24 months. That's two years, right? Wow. And um, they were incredibly, intensely disturbed animals after that. And it was this experiment that made another man, whose name I will have to look up because I thought it was right here and it is not. He ended up being very upset by these experiments. And he ended up saying, you know, this is too intense for these animals. Because as soon as they're done with the study, they had to euthanize the animals because they were just so... They're going to be antisocial. You can't yeah. put them back. So oh, no. either you just leave them in isolation forever. Mm -hmm. His name is John Gluck. John Gluck used to work with Harlow. And he 
he gets everybody to stop doing these kind of experiments, which is Harlow gave John Gluck his first monkeys when he started like his own lab somewhere. So I'm sure there were some tensions in that <laughs> relationship. But um, they found out so many things about neglect in the early parts of your life. And and the reason why, and I will explain this now, that I am so mad that they stopped these studies is because these studies were kind of stopped, I don't know, maybe in the 80s or in the late 70s or something like that. When did, when did PETA become an organization? He actually, like... the John Gluck did receive an award from PETA for his hard work. <laughs> but now... You know, in the 1980s and 90s, there were a ton of influx of of children from orphanages in Eastern Europe because of the things going on there. And um, they all ended up with reactive attachment disorder. And there is no studies about reactive attachment disorder because they stopped doing these studies on neglect. So now there are real life human beings that have to go through life with no information because they were afraid to hurt these monkeys. And as a parent of somebody who has reactive attachment disorder, I think, oh, you know what? I'd be willing to sacrifice a few monkeys so that my human child could have a better life and we could have more information. So that is why. (laughs) That is why I'm like, no, I'm willing. I'm willing to let some monkeys go, which is a little harsh, but... You know, when you think of the the, the real life human the children that are affected by this, because because as you go in, and this is going off onto my own things, and not not Harry Harlow, which take this, I take this liberty upon myself. <laughs> hey, this goes wherever it goes. <laughs> is it's it's really fascinating to see the different impacts of a child's brain in those first years of life. And just how holding your baby and having eye contact or just the pressure of having that comfort for that child teaches self-regulation, teaches interaction. And so these monkeys come out of a 24-month isolation. And I truly believe that even though they would have had some permanent problems, that you could have taught these monkeys a lot of the things they needed to be successful. But you would have had to have gone back to the very beginning and taught them all over again all of those things which is more time and effort that they're willing to put in for a monkey but it's just unfortunate because there was so much information to be had because they really do become intensely disturbed um because of of missing out on those interactions with human beings can you imagine all human beings are just the worst and yet we need each other so badly (laughs) It is kind of one of those interesting things that you really do kind of have this uh, perception. Like so many people do seem like, you know, like they make the world a worse place. Mm -hmm. But if you take away all, you know, the people, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is is worse than than people. (laughs) It is. Can you believe it? (laughs) Yeah. The other thing that I think with those sort of things is they've kind of figured out that there are kind of sections of your life when things matter the most. Yes. You know, and I, and I imagine... That's the wire mother, and that's the cozy mother. Oh, and, and so looking at the picture of the wire mother, it, it really is it's just like a, they just 
rolled up some chicken wire, chicken wire sort of thing, and that becomes with the a body. box head. It doesn't even have the buttons. Only the soft one has the buttons for eyes. This one's just got a box with some eyes on it. Boxy eyes. Yeah, and I, and I didn't look into this one at all, but like there was the. Um, do you remember hearing about like the feral kid that I think it was in France, and it was like um, the seven year old girl. My child? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've heard of her. <laughs> but, no, but she did. She raise herself for for several years. She had no. She was living in the woods, sort of thing. And they found her at like seven years old, and then started teaching. And they found that, like her language development, there's periods of time that if you don't yes. do something, you, you have kind of lose mirror the neurons to, inside your head that teach you those things, and yeah. those things are taught. And done in the first couple of years of your life. And so without that, uh, then you you really can't. Like this, they could not get the person, you know, this girl to be normal in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Well, truly, as and this goes off on, on things that I've studied and researched myself, not on Harlow here. But truly, um, the pathways that your brain picks when it is in a newborn two-year-old phase um, are the pathways that it keeps. And so there are a lot of children who have issues and have experienced like drug use in utero or neglect or, I mean, alcohol is a, is a totally different game, but um, they have gigantic pathways to certain parts of their brain. And so it's kind of like, if you think of it like a road structure, how you have your, your large highways and then you have your offshoots and then you have your whatever, they only have highways that take them to only certain places and they never construct the places to other areas of their brain and it's... It it really makes me wonder, they've been doing studies on um, psychotropic drugs, you know, those sort of things Mm -hmm. and stuff like hallucinogenic mushrooms and things like that. Yeah, they're becoming a big thing for people. To cure depression because what they say that it does is... Like you were saying, they've got these highways. You have the, the paths in your brain, and it, it's kind of like a rut. Is mm-hmm. Everything goes through the well, rut because that's really the path big. of least resistance mm-hmm. sort of thing. Is that's where stuff goes. And they say with these psychotropic drugs that it basically Lights everything blasts up. everything out, and it kind of destroys the ruts. Interesting. And, and I don't think there's been enough studies, but like that's what people are saying is like this could – help with the people who have these you know ruts who have these pathways that only you know that always get followed mm-hmm. is that this could help them get out of that and, and and i don't know like i didn't that would be lovely look into that at all that would be lovely that's the theory behind some of it is that you can use these you know hallucinogenic mushrooms or other things like it to treat things like depression or other things like that because it breaks people out of those ruts. Well, we have so much information at the at the ends of our fingertips these days. And and you can come across so much stuff. And of course, you have to filter whether it's accurate. But there was a video of two nerve cells finding each other. Oh, yeah. And it was it was, you know, just in a microscope. And and it is the most fascinating thing how they kind of have to even alone on this little glass tray have to work around and then they eventually find each other and I they 
they did coil around each other, which I thought was odd because I didn't think they actually touched. Yeah. Um, and maybe they don't usually, maybe there's tissues. That, I don't know. But um, it was just so fascinating to see how much work it took for these two with nothing impeding them to yeah. get to each other. But they, they did. And I like to think in my situation that, that these neural pathways can be created and made. And I know um, that different medications for like ADHD or things like that do light up certain parts of the brain and allow maybe maybe in a way like you were saying the mushrooms did um for more neurological connection yeah but man when you think of the impact that being neglected has on these monkeys to the point where they will not even do these studies on monkeys anymore it just is like man these kids that are neglected and sometimes severely so in a very similar way. Cause the, the, I mean, you had to feed these monkeys. Yeah. They fed the monkeys. They had to change their diapers or, you know, clean out their things. Like it did happen, but they were indeed neglected. And there are, there are human children who are indeed in situations where all they're getting is fed and their diapers sometimes change. Like if they're lucky. And so, so here's me pro pro animal cruelty (laughs) (laughs) i never thought that in my life but here i am (laughs) if there's a cause behind it just you know not just go kick the puppy (laughs) but 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 if there's a good cause behind it i I could get behind it i know and i i truly if you would have asked me 15 years ago i'd have been on the side of of the the wussy guy I know. But for whatever reason, that uh, brings me into another one of the studies that I was looking into. And this one, I just have a short bit of information. Mm -hmm. They they called it the monster study. Uh It was done in 1936. And this is another one of those ones that they like, they they would not do this anymore. And I don't think they should. Sort of things. Mm -hmm. And the monster study was interesting. They took 22 orphans and they were mostly like young kids. Yeah. So. I knew they were all children. They were all children. They they were all orphans and did not know. They took them. I think there were twenty-two of them. They broke them into like two groups, and they called one of the groups normal speakers, and they called the other group stutterers, and they called them that regardless of how they spoke. And they found that nothing really changed with the normal speakers. Like their behaviors didn't change. Nothing really changed. But with the group they called the stutterers, they became stutterers. So they had six of them that had no speech impediments at all, and five of those six developed speech impediments after the study. And it wasn't just that they called them stutterers. Like they did, they they basically went to them and explained. Like they bullied them. You, you really are <laughs> stuttering, and you need to not. You know, you need to not do that. If you can't think and not stutter, you need to not say anything at all. And they went and and they kind of badgered them. In the one that I read, they called it belittled. They belittled their experiment. That sounds right with what I read. Mm -hmm. Like one of the psychologists, what they said to the kids sounded so mean to me. Like even if even if this was a stutter, I think you you never never say that. 
you know, to a kid, like that just seemed like some of the worst stuff. And, and they, you know, these are people doing a study. They're not terrible people. Yeah. That this lady who said this, like she went and visited these kids for years afterwards. Oh, yeah. For the rest of their lives, some of these people kept their problem. And and it was, I don't know, it was just so interesting. But those are the sort of things. And, and I know you can't do that with monkeys. You know, you're not going to get a, yeah. a speech, you know, study with monkeys. But it really is kind of terrible to do on kids. But it's also interesting to yeah, know. Yeah, isn't it good to have this information is, so is, that you can not do this yeah. behavior? Yeah. But, it, and, and that, you know, we can head into the ethical territory, and I won't steamroll this one as much as I did the other. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I read this, and what I read about it is that there were two people in charge of it, Mary and Wendell, Wendell Johnson and Mary Tudor. And it says in my notes that they never published their results because they were afraid they would be compared to the Nazis. I saw something along that line. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it was compared compared to the Nazis, but I, the thing that I saw said they, like, they were worried about what the repercussions would be, that, like, yeah. the, their peers would would not think well of them. Well, because it kind of turned out poorly. Yeah, you know, like, we, hey, we ruined some children. You know, seven kids' lives or whatever. <laughs> Which but, is horrible. But, you know, it's kind of fascinating because, you know, ethics is its own fun territory to get into sometime, but when I was in university when I was in college I had to do a study but it was only a survey I had to go around and it was it was for the like the housing authority or something like that and so we had to go around and and drop one off at each house and to do that because humans were involved in our quote-unquote experiment I had to fill out massive amounts of paperwork just to hand out a survey because they're so afraid of this kind of thing happening. And I do believe that there are definite lines to be crossed just because I have an area that's sensitive to me. Like know that most of me is like, you know, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. But I also think that didn't this speed up the information? Like it does make it so much faster than observing an entire generation as, as they go through. And and that observation isn't any controlled. Yeah. You know, you don't know what else is happening, what are the other. That's true. So when you have these sort of things, you get to control. Like mm-hmm. in the Milgram experiment, they get to control how far the, you know, authority figure is from the teacher, and they get to control. Do you think chat GPT would be able to answer these questions for us? Probably. Like, what would happen if 22 no. orphans living in Davenport, <laughs> Iowa would <laughs> Right now, I do not think it would actually, the only not thing the it would be able to do is to go read, like, the study and say, you know, like, it, can, yeah. it would be able to read the study and tell you what the study was about, but it would not, like, if you didn't have an existing study, I don't think it would really have any idea. Ooh, it's got a lot of limitations to it right now. Yeah, for but... sure. It's it's amazing, but yeah, it's still got tons of limitations. But... I was I was watching a thing on it where on chat GPT because everyone's been going crazy with it. Yeah. And they were like, I want you to show me in an image a picture of a 1990s kitchen. So it did. I want to show you to show me current kitchen. And it did. And then he's like, I want to show you to show me a nine. I mean, a 2050 kitchen. And it did in the walls were wallpapered with TikTok, um, like stickers. <laughs> 
I was like, uh oh. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, yeah, who's going to get their TikTok wallpaper? Um, <laughs> even the wallpaper spying on you. So I know what your next one is. Your next one has to be the Stanford Prison Experiment. That is like the most famous one that yep. I've heard of. I remember learning about this one, and it did. It was one of those things where when you learn about it, you start being able to see it and maybe not have it affect you in that same way when situations happen. I think it's it's a good one for people to know. Yeah, it, it's a good one. I have a lot of, I, I think the way it was done, you wouldn't do it in in that way anymore. Oh, I'm excited to hear and about that. I'll talk that. about some of that, but first let I just want to explain what the study really is. It was really interesting because this guy, his name's Philip Zimbardo. He put an ad out in the the paper. So he's, I think, at uh, Stanford. Uh-huh. Well, Stanford, Stanford Prison, Prison Experiment. Experiment. <laughs> but he just puts an ad out in the paper. So the people who show up are mostly Stanford or Berkeley students. Oh, mm-hmm. And he, it, it basically is like all white males yep. that, that show up. You know, 24 sure, of them. I'm sure you have a problem doing you know, different genders or whatever if you're trying to have your prison experiment. I so. actually think this makes it a very, this explains why that what happened and the results of this were so blatant because there were no external, any kind of prejudices. These are just people who are all in the same area of life. Yeah. And age so, group and everything. And, and Zimbardo wrote something. This was, I think, he wrote this like long after the fact. I was reading one of the papers he wrote, but he's really just kind of covering his butt and saying, you know, like we took the most normal, average, and healthy on all dimensions. <laughs> uh, like that's literally what he says. Is he's saying we're taking the most normal, average, and healthy people to be part of this? And, study. and this is written after or before? This was after. This uh-huh. one was like years, many years after. Yes, and then he's saying, you know, there's no systematic differences between the prisoners and the guards. They were chosen, you know, at random. So they had mm-hmm. the 24 people show up. They, uh, they He says that everybody actually wanted to be prisoners. Oh, really? I don't know why. Everybody wanted to be prisoners, but it's mostly guards. Because you don't way, have any responsibility as a prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> there's no duties. You just chat the, with your buddy. The way it's broken out is like nine people become prisoners, and then the rest are guards who work in like eight-hour shifts, like three guards at a time, and they work in oh, really? like eight-hour shifts. Okay. You know, so the, you got some backup, you know, people potentially as well that you can call in, which they ended up doing. So part of the study, you know, the study was to the, determine – what the behaviors, you know. The difference between why prisoners and guards have conflict, I think, was the original intent of the study. Yeah, and he actually wrote down, like, what he said, you know, the intent was, and it's hard to read because the reason for conducting the experiment was to focus on the power of roles, rules, symbols, group identity, and situational validation of ordinarily ego-alien behaviors and behavioral styles. College talk. We're trying to sound super impressive so your teacher appreciates you. Yes. (laughs) But really, I think he's trying to see the the authority and and the, you know, he talks about seeing people when they're made to be less than, you know, human and stuff like that. So uh, as part of the study, the 
they, they made a fake prison in the hallways. So this was happening in summer, so school's yep. out. And they made a little fake prison down in one of the hallways, so there's no natural light that comes into the prison. They use uh, some of the offices and stuff as the guard rooms, and they, they mm-hmm. have a fake warden and some other stuff. So the prisoners were uh, basically given prison attire. They were had numbers sewn on to their little smocks. Yeah, and even their little cells that they were in were numbered. Yeah. They had And that was part of the thing, you know, they were intentionally doing this. The guards they got their uniforms at like an army surplus store and they all had these uh, sunglasses with like mirrored you know things so that there's not any Any like eye eye contact contact. sort of thing which was really kind of weird so they uh, set it up so this is supposed to be like a two-week thing and they tell everybody they're like paying them $15 a day yes to, to be part of this study so they're you know, and they told them, "Yeah, your your rights might be, you know, violated or whatever." But they I think, stu- didn't they arrest them at home? Yeah, so they uh-huh. started off. They enlist the police. And oh no! To so the police come and get these prisoners and put them in handcuffs and march them away and make a big, you know, show of it. And you know, I think they uh, took the you know fingerprints. You know, they they made it seem like it was legit. And then they put them in. You know the, this prison that where they've got you know these fake cells with you know I think it's fake iron bars and stuff, but uh, they they put them there and yeah, then, I think it looks like wood in the pictures. And then they just uh, they they gave some instructions to you know the guards to you know you got to maintain order and you got to and that's what they say you know they say that's all they really said and that there's more to that that. I don't think that's really true, yeah. but that's what they kind of told them, and then they just let them go. So they had the you know guard shifts and do whatever, mm-hmm. and then they're like, all right, go. So the first day it was just kind of awkward, like nobody knows what's going on because everybody knows you know it's fake, you know, but, but they're just trying to figure out their interactions. And the first day was just kind of awkward, they said, and the second day the prisoners start to revolt and they rip off their, like the numbers that are on their uh, smocks and they uh, start, you know, yelling at the guards and insulting them and, and the guards start retaliating and they start treating the prisoners terribly and they turn like fire extinguishers on them. And then they start doing stuff like, they strip them down naked yeah, and take away their beds. Naked, <laughs> they take their beds. They take food. Then they, they break it off. They and make start them doing poop in a things. bucket. Like they're not even allowed to go to the toilet. And then they didn't empty the buckets. Like it became. I mean, can you imagine offering up your office to these people? Oh yeah, and someone pooped <laughs> in into a bucket. Come back. What's that? I know. Like, but the most fascinating part of this, because it's true, they got fire extinguishers and. The, um, to get them away from the doors and things like that, which also think of the damage there. But this happened in a day. Yeah. This was like 24 hours. 
And all of a sudden, everything's going crazy. And the guards are like, oh, I got to maintain order. And they're feeling frantic. Also, by the way, I just have to say, there's no training here. They've not been trained in any way to say, here's how you de-escalate a situation. And also, the people who are prisoners have nothing really to lose. They know they're going home. Like, they they don't... There's there's no hierarchy of staying here and and anything for these people. So of course this is with its flaws, but it was a fascinating the the speed in which this occurred makes me think. Yeah, this is what being a mom is like, <laughs> <laughs> and also why it's so lovely and throughout all of history that the group of men were not in charge of the children when the women went out hunting because. <laughs> They'd be stripped down naked and pooping in buckets everywhere. Yeah, I'm it, just teasing. So it ended up being like six days before they called the whole thing off. Yeah. And on day three, like one of the inmates left for psychological reasons. And that one, there was another one that when you go after the fact, that guy said, oh, I faked it. And the guy's like, he didn't fake it. Because oh. he, that the guy who says he faked he became like a prison psychologist. Did he? And so initially they did like a documentary in like the 90s sort of thing. And he was like saying, oh, yeah, this affected me greatly. And then like 10 years later, he's like, no, nah, I was faking it. And the guy's That's like, he was. Weird. Because the I really, truly, the most fascinating part of this is the speed at which all of this yeah. happened. Because, you know, they, they would segregate them. They'd have the good guys in the good yeah, cell. Yeah, they made a good cell for so good that guys. if you have good behavior, you get to be in the <laughs> cell with the you know your mattress and your mm-hmm. food and your whatever but if you're not then you're in the bad cell which by the way any parent will tell you you don't stick all the bad kids together <laughs> it's just a bad idea any teacher will tell you don't do that but maybe they tell you because they know because <laughs> they read because they've the done experiment. these studies and know. <laughs> But it yes. is funny because, like, they tried all sorts. They brought in, like, a prison chaplain to talk to these people. And they had, like, visitor nights, you know, scheduled and stuff like that. And it, and it was just so crazy to me what they had gone through. But then on day six, they brought in, like, this uh, Ph.D. psychology student and to, to show, like, look what's going on. And all the people who are involved are, are like, so excited. Like, look, look. And this person who wasn't accustomed to this, you know, they didn't see all this happening. What they see, they're like, you you can't do this to people. Like, you need to shut this down. And the guy's like, no, look at, look at the science. <laughs> and this lady is like, no, you got to shut it down. And this lady, Mary. She saw the poop in the bucket. She probably, <laughs> so she even said, she's like, I quit looking. Like, I couldn't look. So it, one of the things she described is they would take them on these on bathroom breaks mm-hmm. and they would put bags over their heads oh yeah and march them around to to an actual you know bathroom uh, but they didn't want the prisoners to escape so they did the bags on the head sort of thing and and she's like I can't I couldn't even watch like I just turned away and they're saying you know watch how fascinating this is and she said I just couldn't do it yeah and she actually married the Zimbardo guy. No. Like, apparently they were kind of seeing <laughs> he, each other. He was trying to smooth her over. And, you know, he thinks <laughs> he's got this cool thing. And she's like, no, you got to shut it down. And, and maybe because they had a thing, you know, he was like, oh, I better shut it down. But, like, he was super excited. He wanted to keep going with this. And 
then he, you know, in this I later had, thing, he's I like, had thought it was I realized mm-hmm. she was right. You know, like I was, I was kind of blinded by the information, the information and the results and seeing what was going on. And then he's like, okay, that, yeah, she was right. I need to shut it down. But it's fascinating because I feel like there are layers here, like ego yeah. that, that aren't necessarily at the same types of play when people are. Like it's their whole lives involved or, or a significant chunk of their lives. And and there's there was a lot of information to be had from this experiment. Yeah, and there's definitely an ego thing with a lot of this because these people putting their names on it and become, you know, they become famous yeah. mm-hmm. with, with some of this stuff. And so it, it's a big deal if it becomes yeah. a famous study or, you know, gets shut down. And or, one of the know, most whatever. famous. <laughs> But, yeah, there were several things that kind of looking in, like, after the fact, like, people have, you know, talked about this study. Like I said, I think this is the most famous study. But there were a lot of things that make it, I don't know, less scientific, we'll say. But they were talking to, like, some of the people who were guards. Like, there was one particular guard, his name, I don't remember his real name, but they called him John Wayne. So Mm -hmm. he was a theater student, and he's like, oh, yeah, I just adopted this persona of this guy from a movie, from a movie called Cool Hand Luke. He's like, I just played the warden on that. And he started doing, like, a southern accent and doing all, like, and he's like, I was just playing a role. You know, like, this guy was my inspiration for my behavior. Mm -hmm. And, And they had several people, like, people didn't necessarily know what they were doing, but. Another thing that is they catch some of the people doing the study telling the guards how to behave. Mm-hmm. And they're telling them, you know, you need to be tougher and you need to be, you know, treat them not like humans and you need to do. Oh, did they? And I think if this were, you wouldn't tell people to do that in All any you would study. have to tell them is keep them in line. Yeah. And this this will happen on its own accord. And so when they were telling them, it kind of made people are saying, look, they're influencing the behavior. Mm -hmm. They're making them do some of these things by saying. And that's probably why the the prisoners revolted. Another thing, and I was trying to find more information on this, but supposedly one of the people who played one of the prisoners thought that this was a study on how to make prisoners behave. And, and so he's going to fight the system. And oh, so no. he was intentionally <laughs> disruptive and intense because he thinks that they're trying to figure out how to make, you know, people submissive and whatever. And so he's fighting the power by doing this, which actually seems like a pretty legit thing. For I know. I'm a like, lot that seems like, because yeah. <laughs> you're dealing with people with antisocial behaviors. And that is indeed an antisocial behavior. Yeah, is trying to push against authority. And, and I totally believe it because I have I have some of that myself. <laughs> not, not prison level. Not prison level. <laughs> I don't think. But but then they like Zimbardo also. So in this paper that he wrote later, like he has a definite bias towards prison. Like here's some quotes. Prisons are failed social political experiments that continue to be places of evil. Did he go to prison? Like, or uh, is he just judging? I think he's just judging. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever went to, to prison. He brought in a consultant 
to help with this, and it was a guy who had just recently gotten out of prison oh, hmm. who did not care much for prisons. Oh, so, so he might have, might have told him how evil there, it was. But, but yeah, he also has another quote where he's saying, you know, the U.S. prison system is, is a failed, you know, broken, you know, system. And so he seems like he has biases. And so people bring that up saying, you know, you can't trust it. But the, the truth is, I, I do think, like, scientifically, there's some flaws. But a lot of the info seems legit. You know, like, if you strip people of their identities and do what, you know, like, people will treat those people different. Well, another thing is he's, I, you know, what it sounds like to me when he's, he's writing that information is it sounds like he's trying to make the outcome match the experiment. Yes. So he's like, oh, uh, well, that's because, you know, instead of, well, we didn't think this through hard enough. <laughs> yeah. So I always thought, like, the paper that I read had a little bit of, like, uh, the CYA sort of aspect is he knows that after the fact, things kind of look bad, so he does put a lot of... Cover your assets. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it really is just kind of a crazy, you know, and that... They wouldn't do this sort of thing anymore, you know, for ethical reasons, but... Which is, in a way, I can understand why. I mean, if you take away the poop buckets and you take away the... And not forever. I mean, I don't want them pooping on the floor. I'm just saying, (laughs) if you remove that portion and let them use the toilet and you feed them, I honestly feel like men would think this was like a sleepover. Like, girls (laughs) have a sleepover. Like, it seems like they would have a jolly good time with this to me. So, the guy who who left, the, the first guy who left the experiment after three days, he said... Well, I thought I'd just be able to just do my homework. So I thought I was just going to be able to get paid yeah. like 15 bucks a day and I'd just be in there doing my homework the whole time. That's why everyone wanted to be a prisoner. <laughs> so, yeah, because, you know, what are you, you're just going to be sitting there. So he, he didn't think it was going to be as simulated as much like it was where like, no, you don't get to bring your school books, you know, yeah. whatever. So he didn't think it was that level. but But, yeah, that one is... Probably, I think, the most famous psychological experiment ever done. I agree. And I think that they try these days. I All of these are old. Yeah. Like, you can't find any huge psychological experiments in the 80s, 90s, and on because they're just not as well known. And I was trying. No, I know. I think they do a lot of other studies because probably because the paperwork you have to fill out. They're like, no. And, and they're not allowed to time. do the cool stuff anymore. Like, yeah. you can't make people poop in buckets anymore. <laughs> so, like, you're, the level of coolness has gone way down. I did find, like, uh, one site, a uh, psychology one that showed, like, studies from 2011. And they do some stuff, you know, like, they're talking about, they say, you know, rudeness is actually, people see that as, like, a power thing. You know, people who are rude, people think, oh, yeah, that guy gets what he wants more than other people. Oh, do you think I get what I want all the time? (laughs) (laughs) And they have some other ones that they, and some, like, I haven't looked into any of these studies. I was just looking into this just barely, and I didn't get into any of it. But they're saying, like, visualizing success is actually not good. Oh, relaxed shoppers spend more money. Oh, I never relaxed, and I spend plenty of money. You know. 
fake cigarettes help people quit smoking? Why is that? And so they get into some of this stuff, but none of them are any are, are really that cool. Oh. And so you know, I found that too. They they're doing a lot on individual people and individual dynamics, and not so much group issues. Yeah. I have one more before we finish. It was called the facial expressions experiment. Now, this is not controversial. It's just fascinating. So, in 1924, the University of Mar- Arizona, Minnesota. How about that? I, that's not even where <laughs> I thought you were going. The Minnesota psychologist, Carney Landis, did a study um, reviewing facial expressions. So, what he'd do is he'd set people up and he'd have a camera. And he would go through different things with people and take pictures of their facial expressions just to see if everybody kind of had similar facial expressions for similar things. And um, the most controversial thing that he did, and they actually call this unethical, and I think this is really stupid, is he asked the parent, the parent, the participants to willingly cut the head off of a rat. Wow. Uh-huh. So that's where it becomes unethical. I mean, I'm sure there are other gross things you could do for a picture, like to get your facial expression. But um, only one third did it willingly. So Landis did it for all of the other people because he wants to get disgust. So he just sits there and cuts the head cuts off a rap while they watch and then he snaps a picture. And then he takes a picture. <laughs> so he can get the picture of disgust. And it's kind of fascinating because even if you go to, you know, long ago when when the world was bigger um you would go to places where they hadn't seen anybody and they were just isolated tribes they have the same facial expressions for the same um when they have to cut heads off rats they no actually i bet they were like like, (laughs) but in disgusting situations they just don't think that's disgusting maybe but um that disgust has a certain look a universal look and it's just fascinating and i i found that so because of the monkey issue and i know i should care i know i should care about these rats getting their heads cut off but part of me is and and i don't think it was necessary i kind of feel like you could come up with something else (laughs) yeah like here stick your finger in this here's this bucket from from the stanford Stanford prison There's other ways to, to do disgust, yeah. But and and you could have done it for sure, but with all of the levels of unethical behavior, this felt really low on the list to me. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. There was one last interesting one. Oh, that I... and they also showed showed them pornography, and to, then like take a picture uh, of their face when they were exposed to pornography, and so I guess that falls into unethical categories is too funny that i go to the rats and i'm like go ahead chop some heads chop off, the heads rats. off. i actually am against chopping heads off of rats unless in they're in my yard or house and then it's like go ahead get rid of these yeah like you know if you're, if you're gonna put you know rat traps out and whatever i don't know how i know disgusted <laughs> you can be with I promise you would get a good disgust face for me if I came across a beheaded rat. <laughs> I've done it before. I have seen it. And it was a disgusted face for sure. So, like, 
one of the ones I wanted to bring up was the Ash Conformity Study. And that was the one where oh, yes. they take, you know, one person, put him in a room with, with a bunch of Confederates. So in, mm-hmm. they started out, they got seven other people in the room. And then they show them two pictures. And one of, one of the pictures just has a line in it. And the other one has three lines where one of the lines matches length the line from the other picture. And then they ask everybody, you know, which of these lines matches this other line? And the seven people, you know, the seven Confederates all lie. So it's pretty obvious which one it is. They all lie, and then they see what the subject will do. You know, and, and what they found is that most people lied. And they didn't lie all the time, but they most people lied at least once. You know, that what they when, when they would get the seven people saying, yeah, it's, this one is the same length. Most people would lie at least one time. Only 25% of people stood their ground and said what they believed. Do you? Did they ever pick the right one? Because don't you think you'd pick up on the fact that, that they're you're, you're always like, getting yeah. it wrong? <laughs> like, and they talked to some of the people. So some of the people... Uh, so about one-third always gave the wrong answer, and Whoa. 75% gave the wrong answer at least once. So between that 33 and 75%, they gave the right answer sometimes, sometimes at least once. So 25% always went with what they believed, and, and they asked people, like, the reasoning, you know, behind, you know, why you did some of that stuff, and people gave a bunch of different answers, you know, like, they, they would say well i thought i was wrong because how could you know seven other people just be wrong so i figured i was wrong and other people were like well i thought i was right but you know i started questioning myself and then i just didn't want to look you know dumb so i just went with other people and some people were just like "Ah, i just yeah i knew i was right but i didn't want to make waves yeah and then they you know they talked to the people who were like confident and just always gave their answer and some people were like yeah I, you know I always give my answer and other people were like well this was a psychology thing and I thought it was important that I tell the truth you know okay. like I, I was conflicted and I kind of wanted to say but I thought they're doing an experiment and it's important that I Aww. give the right answer <laughs> people are fascinating yeah. remember all those people I hated at the beginning of this episode Oh, <laughs> some of them are so good. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on which ones we talk about. So you talk about the Milgram experiment, you're like, oh, I hate people. And then you talk about the asking, oh, these poor oh, people sweet. decided, oh. And then there's me who's like, kill the animals. Kill the animals. <laughs> I don't oh. care about cutting heads off rats, but I want to see them monkeys punished. <laughs> yes. <laughs> aren't we a complex set and isn't that why there's an entire you know area of education just for the understanding of all of these crazy just people for this. <laughs> and it blows my mind because i actually i participated in three studies when i went to uh, college and oh, they were really we were almost done but now we're gonna keep going and find out about those they weren't really that cool so one of them they basically they brought i don't remember what i was supposed to do they brought me in, said I was supposed to do something, and then they put me in this room, and then they just leave. 
and nobody oh, ever comes I back. Oh, I know what this one is. And so after... It's the patience one. Yeah. To after see how like long 15, 20 minutes, I just left. That's early. There were some people who did it, and it took like 18 hours. So... <laughs> no, wait. I think that was actually a TV show. That was. It was a TV show <laughs> called Community, and he doesn't yes, leave, and he breaks the leave. professor, and the professor has a mental <laughs> breakdown because the guy won't leave. That's right. That's the one. It probably was that one. Yeah, that's a hilarious episode. But yeah, for it me, was. like I got up several times, went out to look in the hall, kind of wandered to see if I could catch somebody and nobody. And so I would go sit and back down. And then I got up again glass. and I went and looked. And then I was like, all right, I'm out of here. You yeah. know, like I, I got my credit. <sighs> They're like, we've never seen anyone leave that soon. Oh, I'm sure people left faster because <laughs> there are people who have like little tolerance for that sort of thing. But. Oh, it depends on my day. Sometimes I have little tolerance for that. They they did another one that I, you know, because I don't really understand what they're doing, but yeah. they brought me in. They hooked me up to, like, something that would monitor my heart rate. Yeah. And then what they said was, you know, okay, we're going to have you, we, we have a an argue. It was a discussion on whether or not kids should have to wear uniforms when they go to school, oh. like elementary school you know, age kids or whatever. And they said, you know, we want you to pick a side. We've got somebody making an argument for uh, why kids shouldn't have to wear uniforms. We want you to make make an argument why they should. And I said, I don't want it. Uh Uh, Like, I don't believe kids should wear uniforms. I don't want to make that argument. And they're like, an outlier. Scribble, 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 scribble. And and it really was. (laughs) So the weird thing is, so they're like, okay, just do, you know, you can do that. Fake it. No, so I, they let me do it. my uh, my <gasps> side, which was weird because the the study is they you listen to the other guys and then you're supposed to respond. And my stuff is like, yeah, what he said is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gave a good argument there, and I, I'm with that guy. But the weird part is, I could feel my heart rate going up, and they came in to check on me one time to see if I was oh, all right. No. And I'm not even having a conflicting because I assume that the study. Are you prepping? Oh, you're not even conflicting. I'm not even conflicting. Maybe it was just a But hunt. I think it's supposed to be conflicting because in the thing you can hear the guy get a little more aggressive like with his arguments. And mm-hmm. I think they're trying to see how that affects. But like my heart rate was shooting up anyway. Like I'm agreeing yeah. with this guy. And they well, came in to the check trouble. on me to see if I was okay. It's because there is some sort of like build up. Maybe this was yeah. their study to any kind of, any kind of, you know, elevated conversation yeah and it does some people get a real high off of that other See, people me, hate it, it. So weird. And at the time, <laughs> like i'm a totally different person now but at the time you know anxiety you know whatever it was like this was a very awkward thing for me to be doing is yeah uh, how different now than then oh geez maybe this isn't for our power hour <laughs> i'm really i want to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> what was your third study you were part the, of the third study i don't even know what they, they never told me what they were studying on any of these the third one they brought me in there were some other people and they put me in this room and it was on a computer and they had me solving these kind of you know like math or logic problems and what i suspect it, like some of them were really they they had two segments they broke it up okay do some now we'll take a break now do some more 
on the second one, I don't know if they were solvable. Like yeah, I couldn't solve most. That of was them. actually my first guess. And, and so, like, I did the best I could. They'll never know. And, yeah. <laughs> Which they've done stuff that I, like. It, there's a learned helplessness one where they say, like, if you can give somebody something that they can't solve, it affects their future performance. Oh no! And, and there's some weird stuff like that, but it that was that was the third study, and I have no idea. Like, I just thought it was weird. Why didn't they do that thing where they ask people afterwards to explain? Like, what was that? I was kind of That's, disappointed because so, I thought they'd explain of information it. Because you know, I'm can going get to school to learn. Yeah, you could just tell me. And I, like, oh, this guy's actually not like getting far enough on this. Let's just dump him. <laughs> yeah, this guy's ruining uh, just, my study. Just kidding. They were like, he's passing the ones we didn't think were solvable. <laughs> just dump him. <laughs> but yeah, those are the ones that uh, I was involved with, and I have. That's it interesting. I mean, I've answered a survey in my day, but that's it. I just answered two last week for some high school and early college kids. If I, I avoid, but of course, most of the surveys that I get are companies, you know, how, how do you like my uh, app or how yeah. did you rate your service? And I like, I don't like to do <gasps> that stuff. I don't. Yeah. And I just gave my first bad review in a very, very long time. Which was also in a survey. The, the company was like, How did it go? And I was like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> Brushed off my shoulders, <laughs> flexed my arms, and cracked my knuckles a bit. And it was funny. <laughs> so, I, a survey. I've been answering tons, three, three surveys. Three surveys. So, I do like a good political survey when they call. I'm pro political survey. Can uh. I ask you a few political questions? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't do any of that. I, I think don't, it's fun. Yeah, I, I don't participate in those. Number one, I don't pick up the phone when it's not a number <laughs> I don't know. Uh, number two, if somebody were to ask me the political questions, I don't, like, I don't want to play your games. Well, I think now it's, it's way too hard to get an accurate representation because the people who do answer their phones yeah. are usually in a certain age group and the people who don't are usually in a different age group and they see the world differently so I don't know how that see, can be accurate anymore. And I got my tinfoil hat on. I'm not going to get into it because we're pretty much done. But there was a study <laughs> called the car crash study. Oh. And basically what they're saying in the car crash study is that the way you phrase questions, the way you do that influences the way people respond oh well sure in the car crash one they basically they show people a video of car cars two cars crashing together and then they ask different people when the cars smashed together when the cars collided together when the cars bumped together when the cars hit when the cars contacted how fast were they going so the people that say you know when they smash together everybody says the cars were going faster than when you say that they contacted each other this so, is interesting, but it's also really stupid. It really is stupid. <laughs> this this is, somebody spent so much time on that. <laughs> Somebody's, no, the lady who did this, her name was Elizabeth Loftus. Oh, Elizabeth. She she got called, she's testified in Bill Cosby's <sighs> trials, that Jerry Sandusky, Duke Lacrosse team, Harvey Weinstein. What? Because she's testifying for the defense saying, yeah, the way you guys phrase it, it changes people's memories. 
So you, you can't. And so, but look at those numbers. The change is not that big. The change. So just looking at the numbers here, the people who say the vehicles were smashed together say that the cars were going forty point eight miles together miles per hour on average. Contacted was thirty one point eight. So wait a second. It's not a huge. They're watching a video of two cars crashing and then guessing how fast they were going. Yep. Because they don't. <laughs> so they know. weren't even part of the original memory. They're so, just observing. So they, but they did this again, where they did that, where they had them watch wow. something, and then they ask them like a week later, stuff. Good. So grief. they, when they they have them watch the video, then they ask them the question, and then a week later they go and ask them stuff, and based on what they said, it changed their memory. So what they wow. they asked like if there was broken glass. So the people, when they asked them, you know, how fast were the cars going when they smashed into each other, people remembered broken glass. When they asked them how fast the cars were going when they contacted each other, people don't remember broken glass. Now, there wasn't any broken glass, but people remembered broken glass when they were asked how fast they were when they smashed together. So they were saying, like, it can affect your memory. It, It can affect your guesses. It can affect... The way the wording is given to you affects a lot more than what people realize. And that's what I think with most of the political surveys. It's like when you ask, I think oh. you have a bias and you're going to, you know, in the way you ask, which I've totally seen. Oh, it's, they it's do so it blatant. All the time. And I, I've, I've phrased things really specially myself when I talk to my children. <laughs> Don't you think that was a very bad way to have done that? <laughs> I had one, uh, I think it was with like Amazon sort of thing. And after I interacted with them, they were, how would you rate your excellent service today? Uh, the excellent <laughs> part? I rate it very well. Yeah, However, the excellent does, service where's the great. poor service question? I'd like to rate that one. <laughs> Just like was done with the company this week. So funny. I got an email back from that company, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, from the local store. And I felt guilty. (laughs) It was true, though. They deserved my feedback, but I don't like giving negative feedback. It makes me uncomfortable. I hate being tethered to those kinds of things. I just want to walk away and be done. That's what I think is probably best. Yeah. Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was that was fun, and this stuff is is really interesting. There it is were... interesting. It's a shame that it's. I mean, it's a shame you can't. It's a shame uh, you can't keep abusing those animals. I know. <laughs> we have, we'd have so much more to talk about if you could just you know cut the head off a monkey for. Uh... It's a shame that there isn't as much intensity in the way that they do their studies anymore. That yeah. it's so light and floofy because. Um, I think there is a detriment to the 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 quickness in which you can learn. However, I am glad I'm not in charge of those decisions. <laughs> That's true. You don't want to be the one who has no. to face the, you know, why did you teach these kids to stutter, huh? And if I ever met one of those monkeys, you know that I would be like kidnapping it and like <laughs> taking care of it myself because I couldn't handle that it was being neglected. That's you for those. Do that that's for those cold-hearted those people. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's for the 2.5% psycho and sociopaths out yeah, there. We to found do. the people that we're going to have to take care of these monkeys. That's right. I need the 2.5% of the population to find out information about these monkeys yeah. so that I can use it for my benefit, but don't tell me how it's made. <laughs> don't tell me how the sausage is made. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us today, everybody. Yep. See ya. Bye.